How many is just glad to be anywhere? I got a few hands. God bless you. Glory to God. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 6. And uh, we're going to receive the Lord's tithe and your offering. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about seed time and harvest and giving and receiving, and we're going to continue to talk about it. Uh, you know, when the Lord started showing me years ago things about giving and receiving seed time and harvest, uh, I went to the Lord because, you know, there there were people that... that um, I don't want to say they just disagreed with it. You know, they, they uh, well, you know, the Lord wants to bless you, but, you know, there's no guarantee that uh, when you sow a seed that you're going to get a harvest, you know, because uh, uh, God wants to bless you and he wants to take care of you and meet your need, you know, your needs. But, you know, this, this you know, giving and receiving, that's, you know. And so I went to the Lord, and I wasn't a pastor at the time, and I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you know, uh, well, right after I started pastoring, and I said, you know, if if if, if I'm not seeing something correctly, I want to know. Uh, but nonetheless, I found even more about it. So uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, and this, of course, is where Jesus tells us to give. And then he said, give, and it shall be given unto you. And he refers to how it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, God will cause men to give into your bosom. Amplified Bible says God will cause men. The law of giving and receiving, the law of seed time and harvest, is a parent law. It's a parent law. In other words, it was there from the beginning. All right? It's, it's not something that someone came up with. It's something that God instituted from the beginning that his people were supposed to participate in for their sustenance. He said to Adam and Eve, he said, uh, every herb-bearing seed has been given to you for meat. All right? So uh, it, it, it had to notice it had to be something that bore seed because it had to be able to reproduce all right well your finances that that was god's plan from the beginning you know adam and eve didn't need currency because there wasn't a kroger on the corner right uh but but they needed they needed seed and seed time and harvest and this is apparent law when you plant a seed it will produce a harvest and here's the thing there's nothing satan can do that's powerful enough to block the law of giving and receiving he can't do it it's an incorruptible law all right the enemy has to get you to dig up your seed. Because when you sow a, a seed in the ground of the kingdom, it's outside of his jurisdiction. He has nothing to say about it. I sow into the kingdom and I reap out of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see this? 
It's a law. And I know that can be redundant. Well, yeah, the law of seed time. No, it's a law. That, that's where you attach your faith. This is a law. All right? You know, it, when, when we're dealing with laws, those are things that are irrevocable and can't be changed. You know, when an airplane takes off, a jet or a, or a, uh, uh, a, a prop plane, when it takes off, it supersedes the law of gravity through two other laws, the law of thrust and the law of lift. The wings are designed in such a way that the air flowing over them causes lift, and for that period of time, it supersedes the law of gravity. But there's an old saying that says, what goes up must come down, because there's a parent law called gravity. And it has always been here. The law of lift and thrust have always been here, but gravity supersedes them. Does that make sense? There are things that people face that lack is in the earth. Poverty is an issue. But the law of seed time and harvest and the law of giving and receiving will overcome and supersede lack. Every time. Oh, hallelujah. God has given us this law. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you much more than you require to live. If I'm willing to give beyond what God requires. See, you give and give and give to receive, 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 so you can give and give and give. No doubt, when you, when you first got born again, when you got born again, you begin to learn about the tithe, and maybe you were tithing or maybe you weren't. But think about this. Let, let me try to hurry through this. Think about this. The, the nominal person in the world that doesn't know Christ they get a paycheck every two weeks or every month or whenever they get it. They get a paycheck. Now watch. And that paycheck has a beginning and it has an ending. It has a beginning number and an ending number. That's it. That's what they have. If they get $1,000 in their paycheck, they have $1,000. That's it. That's what they've got. All right? And it's, it's spent. It's not sown. It's spent. Right? They end up with zero because it's all spent. Now think about this. When you and I got born again, that's how we were living, some of us. But the first thing I learned about was the tithe. Right? I, I learned about giving my tithe in honor to God. And so that 10% that was already God's, right? I give that 10%. If I've got $1,000, it's $100. So I'm giving that $100 to God. Now, I get 100% of what belongs to me. But watch, it's protected from being devoured. Right? That's the beginning. Tithe is preschool. 
Amen. I hear people argue about tithe, and I think that's like arguing about the ABCs. It makes no sense. Right? Ever what language you speak, it doesn't matter what language you speak, English, Spanish, uh, uh, Chinese, Japanese, whatever you speak, there's an alphabet. And every one of us, ever how old you are, you went to school at some point, or somebody taught you this little song, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Everybody can sing it. Because those are 26 letters that make up every word that we speak. Right? And when I learned that, then I could start putting things together. I could not read C-A-T till I learned A-B-C. Once I learned A-B-C-D-E-F-G, I could say, oh, C-A-T. And I could read cat. When I got born again, you got born again, we were taught to tithe ABCs. Right? And that, now that remainder is protected. But there's no multiplication. It's protected. I'm not going to get devoured. But there's no multiplication. There's no multiplication till I enter into the law of giving and receiving. When I enter into the law of seed time and harvest, now I've learned to tithe, right? And then sow a seed. And the moment I sow the seed, it's multiplying in the ground. Is that right? And now there's multiplication that's occurring. And you can get to the place where you're living better off your harvest than you do off your income. Glory be to God. Amen. You know, I'll, I'll end with this. You know, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. And you remember what happened. That, that was God's best at the time. And Adam and Eve sinned and went away from God and committed high treason. And it looked like God's system was just broke. You know what God did? He gave. He sowed another seed. <laughs> and he reaped us. Isn't that great? He reaped, he reaped the fixing of what Adam broke. God so loved the world that he gave. Why do I say that? You, if you have circumstances that are going south, you've got to redeem your circumstances the same way God did. He gave. Amen. Did, did you see? Amen. You, you, that's so important. Don't eat your seed don't ever eat your seed do anything but eat your seed that when 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 the people in the time of famine and i'll end with this came to joseph who was prime minister of egypt they came to him they're in a famine and they came to joseph and they said give us seed so we can live right because if, if I, you just give me a meal, i got to come back to you tomorrow for a meal. But you give me seed. And I can reap a harvest. Do you, do you see that? We don't have, we have a generation right now that's living in the earth and in our nation and other nations of the world. They, they don't have a seed time and harvest mentality. They have an entitlement mentality. They want everything given to them, and they don't understand 
that you can have sustenance, you can make it if everything's given to you, but you will never prosper. There's a difference between filling your belly and prospering in everything you do. There's a difference between paying your bills and prospering. There are people you know and I know, they pay their bills and that's all they do. That's not prosperity. Prosperity is to have more than enough and be able to give into every good work. Well, pastor, I'm not there, but we're getting there. And we're getting there quick. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you see this? And and, and then finally, if you were to look at 1 Timothy 6.10, It says uh, concerning the love of money. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? The love of money. Well, think about this. Giving uproots the devil. Because every time I sow, every time I give, every time I plant seed, every time I tithe, I'm proving to, to anyone that wants to listen or see, I don't love money. Money is a form of seed. Hallelujah. And the more you give, the more you'll get. And the more you get, the more you give. And the more you give, the more you get. And the more you get, the more you give. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Or if you'd like to sow tonight, there is an envelope there in the seat back in front of you. You can sow into the kingdom of God. I believe God has great things in store for you. Thank you, Jesus. You can also text to give at FBLR plus amount to 28950. If you're watching in Kansas, which I believe that all of you are, God bless you. Uh, You can also text to give there FBIC plus amount to 28950. And I'm sure we probably have friendly neighborhood ushers there in the aisles as well. And uh, they will be receiving your seed tonight. Speaking of ushers, isn't it good to have Brother Tavakal back with us? Praise God. I'm telling you why. I just, I look over there when I'm preaching, and he's just so affirming. And, and every now and then I look in the back, and he's dancing. And that, that just blesses me. Brother, you dance. You bless me when you dance. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because he dances like I grew up dancing. It's, you know, it's not that play stuff. Uh, hallelujah. Anyway, glory to God. It's good to have you, brother. We love you. It's a blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Were you ready to give tonight? Well, you lift your seed to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the giving tonight. We thank you for the seed that's being sown. And Father, we are entering into the parent law of seed time and harvest. And we know, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, it shall surely produce dividends in our life that will mm, that will change our family tree. And Lord, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You can come rejoicing tonight with your seed. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Good to see Sister Roxanne, her and her family, overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Glory to Isn't it good to see the word you preach work? That's good stuff. Amen. Father, we thank you for these seeds and offerings and gifts of love that have been given tonight. We thank you, Father, that they are precious seed to you. And as your people have given, Lord, we call them blessed, we call them favored, and we call them healed in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight. 
Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we want to continue with this that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Uh, sound doctrine. And we're going to look at some uh, things tonight that I believe will be a blessing. Uh, you know, the Lord's been talking to me about different things and, and uh, in this series. And something that I've noticed so much of uh, in the last few uh weeks and months and even the course of this year is you know Christians seemingly even pastors and ministers panicking you know I uh, uh, if the pastor panics the sheep panic hallelujah if the pastor loses focus the church loses focus Jesus said it this way. He said, you smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Hallelujah. Now, my, my wife's sitting here tonight and she will amen this. If there was ever a issue that needed a level head in our home when our kids were dealing, growing up, she would send me. I have no panic in me. Zero. Amen. Just, it's not there. It doesn't exist. Now, that's partially a natural trait, but it's something I've, I've worked on over the years. Here, here's my point. If, if I panic, the family panics. But what a blessing that the father walks into the house and says, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. Isn't that right? Every, everything's going to be all right. We, amen, I'm telling you, everything is going to be all right. Oh, the world's in worse shape than it's ever been. Well, yeah, of course. You live long enough, you'll see, you'll see other things too. But here, here's, the, here's the issue. We can't afford to just say what others are saying. We've got to keep our doctrine sound. We've got to stay with what the Word says. All right? We, we, we don't believe or hold to something just because someone said it. It's what does the scripture say over and over again. Amen. Because there are believers that believe everything is falling apart because that's what they're hearing. That's what they're hearing is everything is falling apart. This, this is worse than it's ever been. Well, it's not worse than it's ever been because God hadn't showed up yet and said the imagination of man is continually on evil. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to send a flood and destroy the whole thing. Well, he promised he would never do that again. Right. He would never, he's never going to do that again. But it's, listen, if, if you think everything's falling apart and nothing good's going on, you're not looking in the right place. You're not looking in the right spot. There's a lot of good going on. There are more people being saved right now as we speak than ever before in the history of the world. There are more people getting filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues right now than they ever have before. There are more people being healed by and large now than there ever has been before. Amen. Glory to God. So a lack of sound doctrine in the pulpit will produce error from the pulpit. And these are our foundation verses, our, 
uh, as Brother Hagin used to say, our golden text. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 13. But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you now notice this is so important. No, notice that verse 13. He says this is what's going to happen. Evil men and seducers, they're going to wax worse and worse. In other words, they're going to keep being seduced and they're going to keep being deceived and they're going to keep deceiving, right? But notice what he says, but. Now, if he was writing to James, he would said, but James, you continue in the word, right? Continue in the things that you've learned, been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, that from a holy child, You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So notice, again, he says, he says, I want you to understand this is what's going to happen, but this is what you do. Oh, hallelujah. Now, verse 16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, is God-breathed. And because it's God-breathed, it is profitable. And the very first thing it's profitable for is doctrine. Doctrine. Or for teaching the faith and correcting error. For teaching the truth and refuting error. I've heard people say, well, you know, why don't you hear more ministers? Some of this false doctrine is going around. Why aren't they refuting it? They don't know how. They don't know how. If, if, if you never studied doctrine... You can't refute false doctrine. You understand? That there are believers that you know, if, if someone asks them, can you show me a couple of scriptures where the Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman? They would stutter and stammer, and I'll have to get back to you on that. And, and that is the fault of the pulpit because there's not sound doctrine. Oh, hallelujah. Another translation says, for teaching and refuting error. So all scriptures inspired by God and profitable. The first thing he states it's profitable for is doctrine. Good Lord. Thank you, Father. Good doctrine corrects error and protects against error. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul told Timothy in the King James Bible, he said, uh, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, uh, reprove, rebuke. He told him in that verse, he said, to cut the word straight. All right? Cut the word straight. For our doctrine to be sound, we have to accurately divide and skillfully teach the word. So rightly dividing, straight cutting. We cut straight the word. Now, I made this statement last week. There are things we have to hold fast to that were already delivered to the church. Don't look forward without holding fast to what was already delivered. Don't look forward without holding fast to what was already delivered. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. So a lot of what we're going to deal with tonight revolves around this question. Are we going to face the wrath of God? Now, you know, in charismatic circles, of course, that very first answer is, no, of course not. Well, why? 
I mean, how do we know? Well, the Bible says, where does it say it? I've I've got to understand that if I say, no, we're not, I have to have a reason for why we're not. Oh, hallelujah. Because you you have people that will say that. This this is the wrath of God. Uh, uh, I remember... I remember when uh, I was a boy growing up, young, younger, I was already grown, I was uh, close to adulthood, but my mid to late teenage years, and uh, the AIDS crisis hit America. Well, that was the wrath of God. That's everybody's preaching. That's the wrath of God. That's God's judgment against this nation. The problem with that is it's not good doctrine. Because God cannot pour out judgment in a day of grace. Well, you mean that wasn't God's judgment against that bad, that that sinful lifestyle? That was Romans chapter 1. They received in themselves the recompense of their sin. Romans chapter 1 does not say that God poured out wrath on those people. It says they received the recompense which was meat, which was right because of their sin. There's something going around called monkeypox now. Well, you know, monkeypox thrives in illicit sexual environments. The mass breakouts in America, I got to be careful with this because you think I'm picking on people, was from the gay pride events. All those cities started dealing with that after all these gay pride events. Well, that wasn't God. That wasn't the wrath of God. You got to understand something. The wrath of God destroys. The wrath of God is not a slap on the hand. The wrath of God is destruction. If the wrath of God was ever poured out, whatever it was poured out on is gone. They still don't know where Sodom and Gomorrah was. Because the wrath of God was poured out on it. You understand? The wrath of God is something that is eternal. The second death, that's the wrath of God upon unbelieving people. The lake of fire, that's the wrath of God. That's the judgment of God on unbelieving people. It never ends. There's no reprieve from it. Do you see this? Now, the reason I'm saying that is so when COVID hit, That's the wrath of God. Well, you know Christians, and I know Christians, that battled COVID. So now God's pouring out His wrath on His people? That'd be no, right? Now, that sounds simple. But if if it's that simple, why are people saying it? Unsound doctrine. Unsound doctrine. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews or to the Gentiles or to the church of God. When God speaks in the word, it is directed to and concerning one of these groups of people. The Jews, the Gentiles, or the church. The Jews... 
the Gentiles or the church? The church is mentioned last because whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you know Jesus, you're part of the church of God. So he said, give none offense, the Jew, the Gentile, or the church of God. So I have to define through study in the word which group is being spoken to. Is it the Jew, the Gentile, or the church? Where confusion, confusion arises is that people take prophecies that were meant for Israel and meant for other groups and apply them to the church. And that's where confusion starts. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew 24 tonight. We talked about confusion, uh, where prophecy is concerned. In, for instance, in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says that, uh, uh, that, 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 that there was a, a woman and that the woman uh, was in travail and that she gave birth to a man-child. And it says that the serpent persecuted the woman, trying to get to the man-child. And it says that a, 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 an eagle with great wings, came and bore the woman away into a secluded place and that she was cared there, that, that the serpent tried to destroy her, but she was cared for there a time, times, and half time, three and a half years. Now, I've heard people preach this. Yep, see that eagle, that's America. No, it's not. The woman is Israel. The man-child is Jesus. The serpent, the devil, tried to destroy Jesus. God protected them. In the tribulation, God will take care of Israel. They will never cease to be a people. The Bible says the earth will fight for them. I'm, I'm saying that because people take that verse and they try to make something out of it that it's not. It's a verse referring to Israel. It's not referring to us. It's not referring to America. It's referring to the nation of Israel. God has a covenant with the natural people of Israel. They will always exist. This is so important. Because I say that because people go to Matthew 24 and they try to try to take what we're going through and prove it out of Matthew chapter 24. And you can't because the bulk of Matthew chapter 24 was written to the Jews during the tribulation. I'll show you. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus went out and depart unto the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things. What? Now here's the thing. What are they showing him? The buildings of the temple. Is that right? And he says, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That happened exactly 40 years later. A.D. 70, when Titus invaded Jerusalem, he destroyed the temple. The gold that was in the temple, they burnt the temple, and the gold that was in the temple melted and ran down through the cracks and the stones, and to get to the gold, they had to destroy the temple. All right? Now notice what the disciples said. The disciples came to him privately, verse 3, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Well, what things? The destruction of the temple. When shall this be? 
And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? So notice, he's, uh, he's hit Matthew 24 is Jesus' answer to these three questions. When will these, what will be the sign of these things? The sign of your coming, the end of the world. Well, the temple was destroyed 40 years after that conversation. Hallelujah. So you can mark that off the list. When you, when you go here, verses 4 through 12, we're not going to read all of them. Verses 4 through 12 are things that they should be looking for. All right? Uh, false, he says, notice some of the things he says. Uh, some will come saying, I am Christ. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Right? Don't be troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Hallelujah. Now, verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of, of Daniel by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Daniel chapter 9, 27. When the Antichrist goes into the temple and desecrates the temple and offers a sacrifice that's unclean, Jesus said, when you see that, now wait a minute, can't be talking to the church. We're not here. Who's he talking to? The Jews that are going through the tribulation. Now, why is that so important? Because you'll hear people read these verses and they'll say, see, that's where we're at. No, it's not. Can't be where we're at. Because we're not here when that happens. Hey, tell your neighbor, I'm not here when that happens. Oh, hallelujah. So he's not speaking to believers. He's speaking to people who will be present in Jerusalem in the middle of the tribulation period. Now, the same chapter, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then, now notice, and then, keep in mind, when is this after? The tribulation of those days. We're not here in the tribulation. Immediately after, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves you know summer is near so likewise when you see all these things know it's near it's even at the door truly I say to you this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled now I read a book uh, a part of a book by a guy one time that that took this one verse out of its setting 
and said everything that Jesus said must have already been fulfilled because he said this generation would not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. I want you to see something. Jesus describes all the things that will happen in that terrible time called the tribulation. Notice, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the moon, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give her light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. Right? All of those things are going on in the tribulation towards the end of the tribulation period, according to the book of Revelation. And he says... It will end with his return to earth. Not the rapture. His return to earth. Because notice. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and all the tribes of the earth. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory of heaven with power and great glory. There's no reference in any scripture that references the rapture, that anybody else sees Jesus. They just wake up one morning and we're gone. Or they get up or they get up for a drink of water and we're gone. Right? Now, what, why is that important? Because he's describing a different event. He's describing his second coming to the earth where we come back with him. He's coming back to rule and reign in the earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do, do you see that? He says, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Glory to God. The fig tree is the nation of Israel. And their return to the promised land. So he tells us, learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you shall know that summer is nigh. In other words, the season's almost up. It's almost up. All right? So he says all of this, building towards this, started when Israel became a nation. They started putting forth their leaves. And, and, and notice how God views time. That happened in 1948. And he says, it's close. Hallelujah. Now, there have been people that read that next verse and say, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. And they'll say, well, it's, it's the people that saw that happen to Israel. Well, that was about, what, 74 years ago. 1948 would be 74 years. Well, here's the thing. If people live an average lifespan in America, the world, the average lifespan in America for a male is 78 years. Worldwide, in some countries, it's a little more, a little less than some other. But here's the thing. If that's what he's saying, we could get real close Knowing the exact time he's coming. But the Bible says nobody knows. So that can't be what he's saying. The word generation here is very interesting. 
When Jesus said this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled, he was speaking of a race, a nation, a people. The word generation is a reference to Israel as a nation. A nation of people. The word generation means a clan, a family, a people, a nation. Jesus is saying Israel will still be a nation and they will still exist when all this happens. you you got to understand, if Israel ever ceases to exist as a nation, everything God said was, was wrong. Everything he said was false. Because it all started with them. They were the ones he made the covenant with. We were brought into their covenant. Every promise that God made natural Israel must come to pass. That nation can never cease to exist. It will not cease to exist. Because the word says it will not cease to exist. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That, that, that's important. Because if you look at the smaller nations around Israel, they don't exist anymore. Only Israel still exists. How does that little nation, not as big as the state of Oklahoma, how does it exist when every neighbor around it is hostile to its existence? Every neighbor around it has made a vow to destroy it from the face of the earth, but yet it thrives. Glory to God. Why? Because God is for them. Amen. He can't break his word. What does that mean? No matter what's going on in our nation, no matter what's going on in the world around us, we are in that very same covenant. And just like the nation of Israel will never cease to exist, the kingdom of God will never cease to exist. And we can't be defeated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because it's a mirror. It's a mirror covenant. What he promised to do for them, he brought us into it. And he promised to do the same thing for us. And he said, your enemies will be my enemies. If they talk about you, they're putting their finger in my eye. Every time people start saying, this is what's going to happen. And we're going to do this to the church. And we're going to stop religious liberty. Don't believe it for a minute. They're putting their finger in God's eye. And that'll never work. That'll never work. Hallelujah. This is so important. Do you see this? Because we can't look at this and think this is where we're at. It's not describing us and it's not describing where we're at. It gets to us in a moment. But it gets to us talking about how we out of here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when I was a boy growing up in church, we talked about getting out of here a lot more than, than people do today. We sang songs about it. We shall be changed. We shall be changed. Change in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed. Going to get up one morning. Going to look for me, but I'll be gone. Going to look all around you. Can't find me nowhere. Look up in the new city. I'll be singing up there. We shall be changed. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. This mortal will put on immortality. I'm going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Amen. Now notice, glory to God. Verse 29, 
Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of these days, of those days. So Jesus says all of this will happen immediately after the tribulation of those days. Well, we're not here for the tribulation. Thank God. See, that's good news. That, that, that is part of the blessed hope. Not only hope of, of, of eternal life, hope that I see these things that Jesus in red said were coming on the earth, but he said, I'm not here. Isn't that good news? Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus said, we're not here. Oh, hallelujah. That's so powerful. Verse 36. But of that day and hour, well, let me, let's start in verse 35. We can't over, overlook that tidbit. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In other words, he's emphasizing all this is going to happen, and everything you see, the heaven you see, the earth you see, it will all pass away. The book of Revelation says it, it will all melt in a fervent heat. Peter said it will all melt in a fervent heat. It will have to be cleansed. It will have to be eradicated of any stain of sin. And it will be taken back and revert back to that original place that Jesus, that God intended for man to live on. And it will be that way forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Glory to God. So what you see now. As much as we enjoy it and like it, it's all going to pass away. Oh, but Pastor, no, we're going to get the better. We're going to get the perfect, right? We've never lived in perfection. Do you realize none of us in here have ever lived in an earth without the curse on it? We don't know. Nobody knows what that's like except two people. Adam and Eve are the only people that know what that's like. Glory to God. But we're going to know. Because the man from glory came to the earth. The last Adam came to the earth and fixed what the first Adam broke and made it possible for me and you not to be here when the wrath of God is poured out. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> but of that day and hour knows no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Mm. Now, he's beginning to reference the rapture of the church. When you read the, the statement, coming of the Lord or coming of the Son of Man, you've got to determine from the context if it's a reference to the rapture or the physical second coming. Because notice what he says. He says, as it was in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. All right. So nobody, 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 no, listen, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back physically and nobody, we know it's after the tribulation. Nobody knows when the rapture of the church is coming. It could be right now. It's imminent. Isn't that exciting? 
I'll talk to Lily uh, uh, at night sometimes. We'll be praying, and we'll be talking about the rapture and, and going to heaven. And she'll just go like this, and she'll go, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait either. I just get excited too. I just can't wait. Well, what if it's another 50 years? What do you care? If it's another 50 years, I'll be in the ground and be rejoicing in heaven. It won't matter. I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'll be uh, 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 brushing my horse, getting ready to come back with Jesus. It, 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 it doesn't matter. It's going to happen because Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I don't even want to ever let my mind go that route of thinking that Peter called a scoffer that said, where is the promise of his coming? The promise of his coming is right here. He is on his way back. He is presently making a place ready for you and I. I have a placard at the table of the marriage supper of the Lamb. I have a dwelling place made and created and made ready for me by Jesus Christ himself. So whether I get there through the rapture or I get there through the grave, it doesn't matter. I'm getting there. We, 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 amen. We live rapture ready. We live rapture ready. Because one day we're going to wake up and it's going to happen. One day we're going to turn the corner and it's going to happen. One day you're going to look around and me and you and we're going to be standing here or sitting here. And the next thing we know we're bye-bye world, goodbye as we go up through the clouds. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I look at you and you look at me and say, man, you look good. I know. So do you. Praise God. Because we will be known as we are known. And when we see him, we shall be like him. Isn't that good news? Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? Now, here's the reference to the rapture. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Now, there have been people that have tried to say, well, that's one's taken to judgment and the other's not. It can't be because the word the, of the word taken. It, it, that's not what it means. It, it means to snatch up, to be taken forcefully. Well, that's what happens to us in the catching away. Oh, hallelujah. So, so think about that. L notice, I've taught on this before. Life's going on as normal. People are going to work. And on the way to work, they look at their buddy and he's gone. Ha, ha, ha. Right? That's a good place to say, happens to me all the time. Amen. Now, notice this. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Whew. Hallelujah. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord does come. Now notice what he tells us. Watch. 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 What am I watching for? His return. What am I watching for? I want to be ready. Right? I want to be ready. Hallelujah. I, I've been made the righteousness of God for a reason. Not just so I can stand fearlessly before God. That's, that's the predominant thing. But also, my robe has been made white in the blood of the Lamb. 
If you could see me dressed in the spirit tonight, I am in a spotless robe. You are in a spotless robe that was made white by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when the trumpet sounds, everybody in those robes are getting out of here. Amen. Think about that. You walk in the door to your office at work and say, good morning, gone. Hallelujah. See, this, I'm, I'm saying all this so you can see. You've got to discern through the study of Scripture who's being spoken to. Everything in the first part of this chapter is not to us. This is to us. What's he say to the church? Watch. Watch. Be on guard. Hallelujah. Notice verse uh, 43. Well, actually, verse 44. Therefore, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Now, notice something. Jesus said our job was to be ready. Folks, the Lord's been dealing with me about some things. You got to stay away from criticism. You got to stay away from criticism. You got to not be critical. You got to not be judgmental. Why? I want to be ready. I don't want anything standing between me and that morning. Oh, hallelujah. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Are you receiving anything tonight? I thought while I was preparing this, there's so much more that I could go into. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit said, well, you're not in a hurry. You're not quite done. So we'll get into more of it later. But are we going to face the wrath of God? Now, I don't have time to go to all the verses, but when you read, for instance, through the tribulation, understand the state the world will be in. When the church leaves, there's nothing restraining evil. You, you, you read through the scriptures. It talks about how nobody's personal property is safe. Nobody's person is safe. Uh, the predominant religion is witchcraft in those days. Hallelujah. The, the Bible says that there, that there will be plagues being poured out on men and that death will flee from them. So it means anything they would do to try to die at their own hand won't work. People say, why is that? They're going to experience the full cup of the wrath of God. It's a house cleaning. Not for the church. People that say the church has to go through the tribulation is saying the blood of Jesus wasn't enough to make me righteous. And I know well-known ministers that talk about that fallacy called the rapture and that rapture business and that goofy doctrine. Well, what they're saying is that the blood of Jesus wasn't enough to make you righteous. That you got to go through the tribulation. You got to tribulate in order to be made holy and righteous. I've already been made holy and righteous. That's why I'm not going to be here during the tribulation. The tribulation period is for people 
that rejected God and continue to reject God. At least three different times in the book of Revelation, it talks about how these plagues were poured out, and then it says this, and still they cursed God and would not repent. What does that mean? They had a chance. There's a reason for what's going on. Repent. 60-pound flaming hailstones falling from heaven. And it says, still they would not repent. Demonic hordes released from the, the bottomless pit that sting men. And they, they, they feel like they're dying. And it says, still they curse God and wouldn't repent. That, that's the state the world will be in. Now tell me we got it bad now. No. We have, we're, in the time we're in, we're supposed to be getting people saved. We're supposed to be touching people with the gospel. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, whatever I have been, I'm going to be more of it. I'm going to be more true to the things of God than I've ever been. If you thought I was a Jesus freak before, you haven't seen anything yet. Hallelujah. Jesus, man, it's Jesus. Glory to God. It's so, it's so important. That, that's what the world has to look forward to. That's the wrath of God. That's the wrath of God. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. Notice what it says. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I said 2 Thessalonians, didn't I? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. Now I pointed something out. That word salvation is not just our eternal salvation. It's salvation or rescue from what's coming on the world. Notice what I have an appointment with. Rescue. Not wrath. Hallelujah. Now there will be people that get saved in the tribulation period. During that wrath of God. That's the mercy of God. You know, the Bible tells us that there will be 144,000 Jewish evangelists and they reap a harvest of souls that's astronomical. And, and one of the reasons, it says they don't have time for anything else but what God wanted. It, it, it says they're not involved in other things. They're not defiled with other things. They're just going after the things of God. The Bible says that Jesus comes down during the tribulation. And meets them on the Mount of Olives and takes them to heaven. Rapture of the 144,000. You know what happens after the 144,000 are raptured? Angels start preaching the gospel. Yeah. It says angels fly from the north to the south. All over the, all over the world. Preaching the everlasting gospel. Hallelujah. Why? God doesn't want anybody. To experience final judgment. So we don't have an appointment with wrath. Not only wrath in the tribulation. We don't have an appointment with wrath. When we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says in the book of 1 John. That we will stand there in boldness. Because then it says this. Because as he is. 
so are we in this world. And the Bible says perfect love does what? Casts out fear. Turns fear out of doors. I've heard, I've had people say, well, you know, when we stand before Jesus, you think we're going to shake? You think we're going to tremble? No. I will have boldness in the day of judgment. See, now, y'all kind of look at me like a dog in a new dish. Do, do we believe the word or not? Well, if you're bold, you're not twim- trembling and quaking. When we see him, we shall be like him. You're, you're standing there in front of him at the judgment seat of Christ for what? Rewards. Not judgment between heaven and hell. There'll be another group that are shaking in their boots. Because they're going to stand before the righteous judge of all the earth. Notice that the righteous don't have to stand before the judge of all the earth. They stand before the one that made them righteous. And they receive rewards based on what they did in his name. And we'll stand there boldly. Why? Because we're there. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Glory to God. And we stand there boldly before our elder brother and receive gladly and joyfully the rewards of our labor. If you don't don't think that doesn't matter, then why did he talk about the crowns that are going to be passed out and the names that are going to be given and the rewards that are going to be given? He's saying, look, guys, I want you to live right. I want you to live holy. I want you to live like overcomers because there's something coming on the other side of this that's absolutely going to dwarf any good thing you ever had on this earth. There's a crown with your name on it. There's a mansion with your name on it. There's victory ahead of you in every area of our lives. I don't have an appointment with wrath. You don't have an If you're born again, you don't have an appointment with wrath. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 2 says that God reserves his wrath for his enemies. Well, the Bible says this. It says that I was an enemy of God, but I've been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm not an enemy anymore. Now, why is that important? Because if I'm not going to face the wrath then, I can't be facing wrath now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have to pay the price for the disobedience of the wicked. Amen. That's why I'm, I'm going to make a statement, and, and if you disagree with me, you just have to disagree with me, but you've got to have Bible to disagree. You know, I, I, hear, I hear preachers get up, and say, well, you know, the Bible says if, we, uh, if, if, if God's people, which are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Are y'all living wicked? I'm asking, are you living wicked? Then what wicked ways do you have to turn from? He was writing that to backslidden people. People that had went away from him. That, that he, he, they, actually, Solomon was asking God, What do we need to do 
if the rains quit falling, if famine comes, what do we need to do if your blessing comes off our nation? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It was a conversation between Solomon and God. And God said, here's what you do, Solomon, and this will fix it. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Well, that was people that went wicked. Have you went wicked? Are you living in sin? Do you not want anything to do with God? That was, that was I didn't hear much on that one. Do you not want anything to do with God? No, you do. You want something to do with God. So that doesn't apply to you. Doesn't apply to you. Why well, repent for the sins of my nation? I can't repent for the sins of my nation. I'm not involved. I can't repent for the sin of abortion. I don't believe in it. I stand against it. I repent for my nation. I can't repent for my nation. I'm not in the leadership in my nation. Only thing I can do is repent for me. You can repent for you. Glory to God. The mercy of God will be poured out on our nation in greater measures. Number one, because the church is here. And number two, because the highest court in the land has reversed that decision that caused the, the loss of life of millions of unborn children. And God can smile on a nation where the judges in the highest court have said that's not right. See, you, 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 you can't take things that were for a group of people and just transpose them over onto the church. And if I hear one more preacher say, if the church would do its job, I'm, I've, I've had it up to here with that. What do you mean if the church would do its job? We're doing everything we can do, slick. If you're not, if, if you're not doing what you should be doing, then you need to get busy. Amen. I'm, I'm working my proverbial fingers to the bone. I'm, I'm burning up the highway between here and Kansas City. And everywhere else they'll let me go. I'm doing everything I can do. My wife is doing everything she can do. You're doing everything that you can do. You're in church on a Wednesday night. You could be sitting at home eating burritos and watching TV. And you're in church loving God and wanting life to be what it can be. Don't buy that lie. Don't buy that lie. It, it might be a fake church. It might be a fake pastor that's backslidden and believing all this garbage. There's not one blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled man of God that believes anything the world is saying. They're not backing off. They're not getting into all this garbage. They are preaching the Word. They're cutting the Word straight. Hallelujah. And we're going to cut the Word straight. Because we're going to be ready. One day we're going to hear the trumpet. We're going to hear the shout of the voice of the archangel. And we're going to get up out of here. And we're going to go knowing that we gave everything we had. You're going to leave in the rapture of the church having left everything on the field. There's not going to be one thing that you're going to, not, that you're going to be sad about. Because we're going to give it all for Jesus Christ. All of it. All of it. Amen. Do, do, do you understand that? Nothing wrong with the church. The church is not weak. The church is not lukewarm. The church is not apostate. The church is not backslidden. The church is not indifferent. 
Not the church. Not the church. Maybe posers, but not the church. Not the, I, know there's, I know there's a lot of pastors out there all hat and no cattle. I know they are. They, they, they look like a cowboy, act like a cowboy, and talk like a cowboy. Had never sat a horse in their life, never roped a calf, never got bucked off, never branded a steer. They look like the part, but they don't have what it takes to be the part. I'm telling you, the church of the living God is alive and well today. We are a force to be reckoned with. Satan cannot do anything to stop us. He is already defeated, and we are keeping our foot on his neck and he's not getting up in the name of Jesus not getting up not getting up and if, if he tries to get up we'll cut him we'll, we'll take the sword of the spirit and we'll cut him long lean and often we are not we are not fighting him he is defeated he is a defeated foe he has no power over us he has no victory over us he has no authority over us we're in charge we're in charge. We're dictating how things go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I just don't have time for whining. There's no whining in the kingdom. No whining. No, no, no whining in the kingdom. Yeah, but you know, the election didn't go our way. Come on, man, dry your tears. Dry your weeping eyes. Hallelujah. You think these political puppets that God's having to deal with now make him blink? Read your Bible. Look at the people God dealt with in the past. Look at what he did to them. A man that conquered the world found himself eating grass like an ox. Because he wouldn't obey the God of heaven. You think these, you think these political pundits that think there's something, give God any problems? The same God that's in, that, that, that God is, is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican or a man or a woman or a black man or a white man or a mixed man. It doesn't matter. You will never determine what goes on in this earth. God determines what goes on in this earth. And he's given the church the authority. Glory to God. I don't know where all that came from. Just, it's, 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 hallelujah. And, and, and every article is a panic article. A panic article. Come on, man. Put your big boy pants on. We've been, we've been through more than this. We've been through more than this. Every person in here, whether you know it or not, you faced hell and got out of it. Every person in here, you are on your way to hell. You had no hope. And, and you turn, and when you turn, God smiled on you and prospered your life. If I defeated hell, if I overcame hell, there isn't anything I can't overcome. The, ah, glory to God. The devil thought he had me, but Jesus saved me. God came into my life. The blood of Jesus washed me clean. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you. And it's not about to change now. It's not about to change now. It's not about to change now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. But if something don't change, I tell you what, something is going to change. So, y'all, y'all got one minute? Hallelujah. The devil wants nothing to do with us. You better hear me. He wants nothing to do with us. I read a book one time called Flags of Our Fathers. And it was about the, 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 the invasion of the uh, uh, Marine Corps on Iwo Jima. 22,000 Japanese were entrenched subterranean uh, 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 pillboxes and, and dug in over years. 27,000 Marines. 27,000 Marines gave their lives in Iwo Jima to, to defeat 22,000 Japanese. Here's the thing that I'm getting at. The commander that was over the Japanese forces, some years before that, the late 1920s, 1930s, he came and he toured America. He wrote a letter back to his wife, and here's what he said. We do not want this nation to be our enemy. If this nation becomes our enemy, they'll destroy us. You hear what I'm saying? The enemy knew. Now, 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 look at this. The, the, the Marine commander over all the Marines, a guy named Howlin' Mad Murdoch, one of, the found, one of the grandfathers of the Marine Corps, he knew this. If I get Marines with boots on the ground, I'm going to take that island. You following me? Brother Billy, we're the Marines. Last I saw, my boots are on the ground. Our commander-in-chief thinks enough of us that he has deployed us to this people planet. And he's saying, you are my crack troops. I believe that you're going to get the job done. Don't you listen to some mamby-pamby, limp-wristed, velvet-tongued preacher tell you that we're in trouble. That devil's the one that's got trouble. Because he's dealing with a force that he's never been able to deal with. He's never been able to deal with the church. What makes you think he can now? I'm serious. What makes you think he can now? What makes them think he can now? What gives any representative of the church of Jesus Christ the right to stand up and say there's a problem with the church? Who are you speaking for? Now speaking for me. I don't know about you. I see growth. I see people getting saved. I see kids. I see babies getting saved in children's ministry every Sunday. We have people finding us that that were involved in the sex trade, that were kidnapped and put into the sex trade, and they found our ministry, and they came and found freedom. Pastor Michelle's testimony in five days has seen 25,000 views. And that's just the first third of it. Do you believe it for one minute? Don't you believe it for one minute? And I'm going to tell you, if you believe that, you're in the wrong church. 
you're sitting in the wrong chair because this is not the church for you because we're not backing up. We're not backing down. We're not backing away. We're, we're not going to buy all the terror. We're not going to buy everything's going to fall apart. Oh, it's coming up on a dark winter. That's not what God said. He said for the church, 2022 would be a year of beautiful clarity. And that's what I'm believing. Nothing dark. Nothing dark. I'm the light. Everywhere I go, light shows up. Can't be dark. The light's there. Hallelujah. I've staked. I, I'll, I'll finish with this. I have staked my claim. I'm going to tell you something. If, if you think I'm playing, I left everything to come here. I left my home. I left, I left my stability. I left everything to do what God told me to do. And I'm not near about ready to just give up and say, well, it's, you know, we might as well throw in the town. No, 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 no. If the God I serve can, can take me out of this earth before the wrath of God shows up, there's nothing he can't do. If the rapture is as supernatural as the Bible says it is, there's nothing that God cannot do for us. And I tell you that to tell you, I'm serious. I mean business. I eat, breathe, sleep, and drink this thing. What God has asked us to do. What are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? How do we expand here? What do we do here? I don't have time for that. That's not my flow. I've been telling you that. That is not my flow. This is my flow. Well, you can't deny what's going on in the world. I'm not denying what's going on in the world, but I'm telling you, I'm in a different flow. I'm in a different flow. You better take these. I'll keep preaching. But pastor, those are strong words. I know they're strong words. Here's stronger words. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you have bigger problems. You're, You're facing an eternity without Jesus. And if you go into eternity without Jesus, it is literally eternity without Jesus. There's no hope. There's no hope of ever coming back. If you're watching online and you're not born again, you don't know if you're going to draw your next breath in the next five minutes. You don't know if you're going to wake up in the morning. Nobody knows. The Bible says nobody knows the number of their days on this earth. We got to live our life like I could go in the rapture any moment or I could draw my last breath any moment. Got to live that way. If, 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 if you're cold, if you're playing around, if you're just kind of in and just kind of doing what needs to be done. Just because you're a Christian. you got to stop it. This is serious business. People are going to hell. Lives are being destroyed. People are hopeless in the world. They have no hope. They're looking to the church. And they don't need to come to the church and hear about how bad things are. They need to come to the church and hear the answer to what's going on bad in the world. So important. Let's stand up tonight, shall we? If you're watching online, watching here in, in uh, uh, Arkansas or Kansas, wherever you're watching from, if you're here in the, in the room tonight, I know I went a little over our hour of power. Please forgive me. But, but I'm telling you, if you don't know Jesus, you can't afford to risk it. You can't afford to risk it. Not a threat. It's just the reality. If you're not sure about things, bow your head with me tonight. If you're not sure tonight, just say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe he died and rose again and lives today. 
thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Great things are ahead of us. What are we expecting? Great things. Great things. Great things. Great things. Come on, baby. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't forget, of course, Sunday morning, Pastor Michelle will be here ministering Sunday night. I'll be in Kansas. Uh, She'll be preaching up a storm, I know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But God's good, isn't he? We win. Not only do we win in the future, we have won. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We are overcomers. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me tonight. The vision of this church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.